BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, yo, what's up, world? This is DJ JS1 of the legendary Rocksteady Crew. And right now, you're listening to The Library with my man, Tim Einenkel, on RapStation.com. Strictly the real hip-hop. Peace. Million weight, light is capable of painting up a zillion raps. And when I say it, this is what I mean. Audio 2 and the alliance on the scene. And I like to say what's up to my producer, King of Chill Party. People, are you ready? Jam, if you will. Never underestimate. And SKS has been composing, producing, engineering, emceeing, and more for quite some time. His credit starts with MC Lights, Light as a Rock, Audio 2s, What More Can I Say, all the way up to working with Farah Monch and DG Premier. That said, it's really hard to find detailed information about him because he's regarded as an innovator and one very unappreciated talents. He's king of chill, and I want to welcome him to the library with Tim Einigel. Thanks, man, for coming. What's us. going on? What's happening? All right, so here's my understanding. Uh-huh. You started producing albums in 1988. That's This is my research on okay. the internet. This is what I got. This is uh-huh. what I got. Uh, with Audio 2, uh, Audio 2 is what more can I say, and MC Light's uh, Light as a Rock. Uh-huh. But then while researching you, I came across The Beast Within uh, with you and the Alliance. Right. And that was 1985. Uh-huh. So one, is that correct? But then two, prior to 1988 and 1985, I guess, what was happening uh, with you in terms of like music and stuff like that? Before 1985, you know, I was, I was like every other kid in the neighborhood. Uh, hip-hop was taking over. And, uh, you know, everybody was forming some sort of crew. And uh, that's basically what I did. Uh, I was with a crew in Brooklyn and we used to practice and rehearse every day in my man's basement. Mike, he was our first DJ. Master Mike was his name. And we would practice every day. This is before 85. This is like 81, 82 and we would just rehearse for no reason. It's not like we had a party to do or we were going to battle somebody. It was just like we just practiced because we wanted to be good, right. you know, good enough so we could go somewhere and say, oh, wow, yo, those guys are, are dope. Those guys are deaf. And that's what we did. So leading up to 84, 85, 84 is when I first came across a lady that worked at a label called Supertronics. And that was the first label that uh, we ended up putting something out on called The Beast Within. It was about police brutality. And it came out in uh, 85. So, so when did you, I guess, when did you know or when did you 
when did people, I guess, start to talk around you that maybe you guys want to do this for money or, you know, like not just to like quite unquote, impress people around, but also like, hey, maybe there's something here. Maybe we could sign with a label or, you know, get get a record press professionally. Um, that That was around 84. It was around 84 because even though we didn't do uh, as many parties or as many uh, battles with other crews as we would like to, we 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 found that we were we we were good. We we were good enough to put a concept across like a, you know, a record and we decided to do it. So then how did you get from emceeing to producing and then do you remember that first thing you produced yes i do (laughs) okay so what had happened was that uh (laughs) back then i was the first to have uh a quote-unquote real job so coming right out of high school i worked for the state department and so my job, so I was making quote unquote real money at a regular job as opposed to a part time job or a, a minimum wage job. So I was the one that brought the equipment. Now, back then, um, I was an MC, just an MC, and that's all I wanted to do. So I'm like, and, and all of us are like me, uh, Swift and Mike, Master Mike, we're like, all right. I'm an MC, Eric's an MC, and you're the DJ. So as the DJ, you're going to do all the music. We're going to do all the raps. I'm going to write most of the raps, and boom, we're going to rock out like that. Okay, cool. (laughs) Boom. Fast forward a couple of months later, you know, it felt like the more popular we got, the lazier everybody seemed to get. Like, we would, like, so... I went out and I started buying small things like I bought a drum machine. Uh, I, I bought a small sampler, I bought uh effect machine, uh, a, a digital delay, stuff like that. Microphones and all of that. And kept all the stuff at the DJ's house because he's the DJ. He's going to learn how to make beats and we're going to rock out and we're going to DJ and da 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 and put on these shows. The equipment started just laying around. Everybody's hanging out with their girl. Nobody's doing nothing. I'm like, yo, this 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 costs a lot of money. It's collecting dust. I got mad one day. I came in, took my equipment back home, and I was mad. And I had to learn it. I was like, yo, this is this is whack. I had to learn this equipment. I'm not I'm not the producer. I don't want to <laughs> produce. I'm the I'm the rapper. So I mean, that's how I got into producing. So all. Oh. All self-taught. I mean, yeah, a lot of it was self-taught and a lot of it was, I would call good mentoring because what it was, was without knowing it, I was putting out an energy of what I wanted to do, what my focus was and who I wanted to be in a line with. So what, what started happening was cats that were on already cats that were focused and doing what I wanted to do producers DJs MCs those are the people that started suddenly appearing in my life and kind of mentoring me in little things like teach me what MIDI was and 
and you know how you go about doing this and how you go about doing that and all of that helped me to uh you know do what do what I eventually started doing do you remember the first kind of beat you made where you're like all right like this is I, you know I could do this like you know I I mean, I tried <laughs> I tried to make beats once and I was got awful at it but oh man or or even like the first beat that that someone Let's say like an MC light came to you or something or mm-hmm. audio too that, you know, they, they came to you and said, we heard this. We want you for us to do, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of sort of remember that it, it was more of, uh, first of all, you got to know how to hit that delete button. And so I did a lot of experimenting and making beats and I would hit the delete button before I would let somebody hear something because I was like, nah, this is whack. This is whack. Uh, A whole lot of critical thinking. And then finally, when I did let somebody hear something, you know, I got I got more approval than, oh, no, that's whack. And and that's that's pretty much how it happened. The, The first beat I really don't remember but <laughs> I know it involved uh, one one drum machine, one sampler with a very short sample rate, and uh, and but it didn't involve any samples or loops at the time, and it was just it it was just a good idea. The song that we put together and started putting together it was pretty. Uh, you know, we were trying to be Houdini. <laughs> So did you just then with that, did you just go away from MCing or did you try to do, you know, dip your hand in both? Uh, what, what ended up happening was I, I, I would dip my hand in both because uh, I ended up being the producer of the track and the like the main writer of the uh, the concept of the routine. It, it was less songs back then and more of a routine of a of a back and forth and uh like when we did uh busting loose busting loose kind of was how we envisioned us doing songs it was like a back and forth and everybody was involved in every verse and and the dj was definitely part of it i always felt that the dj needed to be heard on the records just as much as the mc and you know that's how i started formulating the productions of uh you know that early stuff Everybody's jamming, only suckers cold snapping. Do it to simplicity, only done to ecstasy. Fellas want the fresh, while the girlies want the best of me. I don't mean to say that I'm the best or the greatest. Only when we screw up, they come and try to rate it. Alliance in a pact in the group or solo. So then how did, so how did MC Light and then Audio 2 happen? And kind of what, at that time, uh-huh. who, who were they to you? I mean, were they like... Did you know they were like the next big thing or were they just like these local cats that were just, you know, rhyming? Who were they to you at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all local cats. They all owed me money. And no, no, no. Now, this is how it went down. So uh, in high school, I went to uh, Brooklyn Tech and in high school at the lunchroom table, I'm sitting at the lunchroom table and I'm sitting at this particular table because these cute girls that are in, I forget what class it was, sat at the other end. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sit here. 
boom, this kid comes next to me with these glasses on and he's sweating the same girls that I'm sweating. <laughs> His name was Giz. Gizmo's cutting up for the suckers that's down with me. And so, you know, we, at the time, you know, it's like, yeah, you got a crew? Yeah, I got a crew too. Yeah, we do this, that, and the other. And we have speakers this big and amplifiers that yeah, 800 watts and, you know, all this nonsense, right? So that's, uh, and Giz came to the school first. And uh, so me and Giz built up a friendship at that time. And a year later, uh, Milk, his brother, came to the school as well. And, you know, from there, it was, you know, check out what we do. And he came and checked out what we did and da da da. And so at some point, uh, his father, uh, Nat, Nat Robinson, their father wanted to get into the music business. At the time, he was he was uh, at some computer company doing computer stuff. And uh, that's pretty much how that started. And that, that was still high school. I mean, that was that had to have been 10th or 11th grade. And um, the way I met Light was uh, Eric, my partner in the Alliance, lived in Flatbush. So when I would go over to his crib to practice, he introduced me to this uh, group called <laughs> Sparkle and Dazzle. Right. It's two girls from around the way to 90s. One was named Lisa and the other was named Lana. So Lisa and Lana got this cute little routine. It was cute, but eh. like, <laughs> eh. so uh, I forget which one light was. She was either sparkle or dazzle. I can't remember. <laughs> but the routine was just eh. it, it wasn't the greatest. But, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one day we'll, we'll hang out and you come through and all of that. So fast forward to a little later, um, me and uh, Eric were going to Staten Island to work with the audio two on something. This is now and I'm fast forwarding past uh, the Beast Within and and the uh, the flip flop album because we did a what we call the flip flop EP where audio two did three songs on one side Alliance did three songs on the other. And so this was right after that, we went to Staten Island to work on something and Eric brought light with him and we ended up doing cram to understand you that weekend. I used to be in love with this guy named Sam. I don't know why, cause he had the head like that of a clam. But you couldn't tell me nothing, cause Sam was number one. Cause to me, oh my gosh, he was one in a million. I should have knew the consequences right from the start. That he'd use me for my money and then break my heart. But like a fool in love, I felt... That was the first thing she did out the gate. Did you know she had that ability? You know, like when you you know, from seeing her in the group to... Well, that moment in Sparkling Dazzle, I didn't really see anything because it, you know, it was just it, it to me it was just a halfway effort that they were giving to to try to do whatever. And I always, I've always felt that when you had the opportunity, you you need to go for it. I don't care how uncomfortable you may feel or awkward, just go for it. Um, but the next time I saw. And But even at that time, I heard something in a voice that I never heard from a girl before. And I was like, damn, that's that's all right. But, 
you know, other other than that, I didn't think anything of it until the next time I saw her. And then she came with this routine, which was just, you know, the the, the creme to understand your routine. I was like, oh, man, that's dope. And Milk put something together and it was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Could you two be wrong? Sing your sad song about your lover so strong. You said, wait, like you're confused. The girl is my cousin. Your brother agreed, but later said that she wasn't. What were the sessions like on with Light? A lot of back and forth. Did she just kind of... Someone come? Did you come with just a beat idea, and then she comes with a song idea, and you make that work? Or, uh, yeah, that the 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 way we used to work was we would kind of come up with an idea and then put it together. Sometimes uh, I would create a beat first. Other times she would come with a concept first, and then say, "Okay, I think I I think I'll put something together around that," and that's that's kind of how we work. And uh, yeah, we 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 did uh, yeah a lot of stuff was like that. Paper thin was like that. No, that's not my strategy, not the game I play. I admit I play a game, but it's not done that way. Truly, when I get involved, I give it my heart. I mean, my mama sold my body. I mean, every part. But if it doesn't work out, yo, it just doesn't. It wasn't. Um, me. stop, look, listen. A, a lot of stuff. Like me, no trait of originality, but yo. Yeah, you've obviously been doing this for a good good amount of time, uh, you know. And your producer, like we said, engineer, um, it seems everything. Um, yeah. Is there a difference, a major difference, when you're, let's say, producing, for example, producing a female artist versus a male artist? Like, is there beats or sound you just will never use or you won't even try to use with a male artist or a female artist uh or is it just or is you know each each case its own case well not 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 really because whatever i would use with a, a male artist i would use with a with a female artist the the sound selection isn't to me the sound selection that i use isn't doesn't really have a a sexual orientation to it like like i don't necessarily relate string pads to women versus men right you know a string pad is a string pad uh, a violin line is a violin line and because w- w- when you think about it hip-hop will take a sound that exists and has a definition and we will totally flip it and that's what makes it hip hop. So for me to say, oh, I'm going to take a, you know, I'm going to take a, like, I'm going to do a record for for women. And all I'm going to do is sample women. And that's what's going to let you know that it's a record for a female. Nah, we, we, we take female vocal samples and flip it all the time. And it's a totally male record, you know, and vice versa. So I always approached a hip hop record like a hip hop record. Doesn't matter who's on it. I want to get back to so after Light, um, the album comes out, mm-hmm. what happens next for you? Well, I, I'll tell you like this. In, in I'd say my heyday, when something came out, I never stopped to 
to smell the rose of that thing coming out. I just kept going. I I would go on to the next thing. So I'm working on the next thing. And then I'm hearing, oh, yeah, you know, uh, so-and-so is is popping. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Like, I remember uh, uh, I did a record, and uh, my cousins are down south, and they start calling me, and they're like, hey, yeah, you did a record called Dr. Soul? <laughs> Like, yeah, how'd you hear that? They're not even playing that on the radio. Yeah, they playing it on the radio all the time down here. Bobo, you you have something to do with that? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I just keep going. It's you know. Was there like, I mean, it seems like now I it just you listen to the radio now and I'm not this is not a critique of anything on the radio mm-hmm. or praise of anything on the radio. Mm-hmm. But you hear it now and you kind of hear a very similar sound. So you under you know you believe like there's some sort of like, formula so to say to make a radio hit. Was that the case back then or has that just like kind of, you know, through trial and error people have figured out okay, there's a, there's a formula to make a radio hit. Well, what what happened was uh there was there wasn't a trial. I mean, there wasn't a formula to make a radio hit because initially radio didn't care about hip hop like that. The way hip hop got on the radio was there were uh, shows, DJ shows that appeared in one hour slots or two hour slots where they would play strictly hip hop. So there was a, a station called HBI. That had uh, uh, DJ teams like the Supreme Team. It's the world's famous Supreme Team show on WHBI 105.9 FM every Tuesday from 1 till 2 o'clock. Awesome Two uh, and Mr. Magic, and they would have one-hour, two-hour shows, and they would play hip hop. So at the time, they're playing nothing but Sugar Hill because that was the only label that had all the rappers. And then slowly, as you know, new labels came up, they would play that stuff. But it was all underground. Underground meaning you had to wait till one, two a.m. in the morning to hear the show, and then you knew what was happening. And then you're playing it on your radio in the streets. But radio. Regular radio was still BLS and Kiss and and Hot 97 wasn't even around then. And uh, so we never we never made records to be played on the radio. That's why records were 15 minutes long and 10 minutes long. And it we it was just a party groove It's going to get played in a party and I'm going to be popular in the neighborhood and, and all of that. Fast forward to when it got to the point where you had Red Alert. <laughs> Yo, where the boogie down production crew with your TR-808 D-Nice? DJ Scott LaRock and I, the Blastmaster KRS-One. We're chilling at 98.7 Kiss with our homeboy Cool DJ Red Alert. And we like the Magic and Chuck Chill Out with a longer show. Then the song started taking on... Uh, song format and and then they started trying to figure out how to make it a song versus just one long verse and you know so that's how it slowly grew into what it is now I think today they, they've broken it down to a formula where they didn't want to veer too much to the left or the right in terms of tempo 
And that's why everything sounds like a Luther Vandross love song with, you know, 808 kicks and, and, you know, somebody mumbling something. And so, you know, that's the formula. It's like, okay, whatever. Right. But back then we were, we were just trying to catch a groove or a hook, make people dance at some point and, you know, get the cute girl to smile at us, you know. When it started being like when 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 it started getting radio recognition when hip hop started getting radio recognition, yeah, how did that change you as an artist and as a producer? I mean, did you feel like you had to adapt to that just to stay like, quote unquote relevant in the game? Or uh, no, uh, any artist that you meet when they come when when. When they're faced with that, they always want to change the industry versus the industry changing them. So when we first got introduced to the, hey, you know, you can't just rap for for four minutes straight and then pass it to to your man. You got to break this up into this, that and the third. I mean, we were cool with that concept because, like I said, our group kind of styled ourselves. We wanted to be Houdini and Houdini always had a good uh, song format, you know, concepts and, and, and verses and bridges and all types of things going on. So it didn't re- so, so when we had to get radio ready, I didn't really have an issue with changing, you know, our format too much to, to make it fit. In other situations with other artists, I felt that it was like, yeah, I think I want to still try to bend the rules a little bit and get this artist to still stay in their element of kind of rawness. And so it, it was always a struggle. And at that time, the A&Rs didn't really know hip hop like that. We were teaching them, you know, and, and they were trying to front like we weren't teaching them. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we know, but y'all a bunch of house heads. Y'all right. don't know hip hop. <laughs> so I had this question for later in the interview, but you kind of stumbled. You talked about it a little mm-hmm. there. Um, when I was reading up on you, you you read a lot that says uh, your production, your quote, production was so far ahead of the curve where producers are still catching up uh, and catching on to his techniques. Um, oh. What does that mean to you when you hear that? But <laughs> how? How are you just for people to know, how were you, quote unquote, far ahead of the curve? And did you know you were far ahead of the curve? No, I didn't know I was far ahead of the curve. And it's everything to hear that, because that's what that's why we did it. That's why we do it, because, you know, it's 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 about being impressive, like, you know, so you want to do something that everybody you feel like everybody just can't jump up and do. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and and so I never try to approach it like, okay, I'm going to approach it exactly like the guy before me approached it because then you just go get the guy before me. Why even mess with me? You know what I mean? So when I hear that kind of thing, that's why I really do it. And that is also tied to why I don't have all of my information up on the (laughs) internet because I always felt that the people that dig to find the information are the ones you really want to be in contact with. See, before 
the internet was the way it is and before you had Instagram and, and Twitter to connect directly with your fans, you never really knew who your fans were. You knew you, you knew it in the abstract, you knew it in sales and popularity and and and, and when you you know uh go to a show, but even among them, you still don't know who the true fans are. The true fans are the ones who are digging for the information on on the the given subject. Okay. Those are the ones I want to talk to. Ah, everybody else. All right. All right now. Good to see you. Thanks for coming out. But I don't want to sit there and have a three hour conversation with them. You see what I'm saying? And that's why I kind of, I don't put my information up there like that. Mm -hmm. You know, even when I see information that's a little, it's like, well, nah, that record came out in 88 and somebody said it came out in 89. It's like, ah, whatever. Right. You know, like, like I don't have a Wikipedia page. You know, I go to other people's Wikipedia page that should refer to me a little more. They don't. Whatever. <laughs> I know. I've been looking, I was looking for you forever. <laughs> I was like, king of, oh God, I keep getting the discography. I was like, no, this is great. Right, this is right, great. right, right. The important part is getting the, the, business people to understand who you are and always know that okay he was part of this and da 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 and the publishing is this and the, okay got it and that's it all that other stuff is like ah, whatever has ever been you've worked with a lot of people as i keep saying um mm-hmm. has ever been that, like kind of that one artist that you've sat down with for an album for a track that has like blown you away in terms of like his or her kind of story capabilities or uh, kind of the blueprint in their mind of like, I want to do this, this and this. And you feeling like, all right, this is going to be good. This is going to be amazing. Yes. Uh, most notably an artist named Barshaw, B-A-R <laughs> for short, B-A-R-S-H-A. And we worked with Barshaw and put him out on we, we started another label called Bum Rush and uh, Barshaw had this kind of style that was like oh man he would tell a story and it would be so gritty that you like you just and he'd just say the, the foulest things but he just made it sound so good it's like oh man that's what an MC is supposed to sound like <laughs> and it was fun doing the material uh, the, the the first thing uh, Well the first single uh, I did on him was um, Who's the Master And uh, The directing Debut for that video Was done by Malcolm Jamal Warner Oh wow Yeah wow. And So we did Who's the Master And the B side was a song called Internal Affair Which was also the name of the album And Internal Affair was an underground hit but not many people know that it was also the instrumental of that was also the uh bed music for wendy williams for about four years how you doing that music that she's playing in the background is the instrumental of barshaw's record (laughs) yeah oh man barshaw had he, he had dope stories and you know we just had fun see the key to to really doing this is to have fun i try to have fun when i sit down and and start a project and the barshaw album was fun 
uh, this latest project I work with, this young lady named Tori Wolf. Oh man, when I first heard her, I was like, oh snap, she sounds dope. Now, mind you, I'm in sem- I'm in semi retirement. Like, you know, I'm like. As far as production is, it's like, yeah, I, I could produce, but I don't sit down and go seek it out or whatever. Right. I'm, you know, doing whatever else. But when I heard her, she reminded me vocally of what I used to hear Sinead O'Connor. Mm. And uh, I was like, wow, that's, 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 that's crazy. And then she had the nerve to be able to write a song. I was like, oh, snap. So... What I did was I, I sat down and I put something together And See the way I like to write songs Is I don't like to Mail you 15 beats mm-hmm. And you come up with something Something I never heard or We never talked about And we call that a song That's A, a lot of that to me Is disjointed And I can hear it I don't know if everybody else could hear it But I can kind of tell when I'm like Oh yeah these, these people never met Right right so I was able to sit down with her And oh man Sitting down with her We just came up with bangers <laughs> First one we did was a banger uh, The second one we did was a banger The third one the third, I, I think the third one was the one uh, That's uh, out now Free Free Might I might have something better for you Tell you how to make that good thing last. Yeah, featuring Malcolm. Right. And uh, man, I, I just enjoy working with him. I, I want to ask you about Tori. But first, you, you just talked about mm-hmm. sitting down with someone to do an album, do a song. Mm-hmm. The importance of that. Uh, you come from an era that you had to do that. Yeah. And now you're still, now you're in an era where you don't, you can mm-hmm. just go to your, like I can go to your SoundCloud page, right. And find a beat. Hey, I like this right. beat. Or you could email me a beat. I would just go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, have you had, or have you had to be in that situation where you've had no choice, but to work with someone via email? Yeah. I mean, do you remember who that or what that was like? And uh, your, what yeah. you took away from that after yeah. you, um yeah, sometimes you you just can't you just can't be there. Like like uh sometimes first of all I don't like to travel. So I let my passport expire, right? So in a case like that, when the artist is going is in town and then is gonna leave town, at some point that's gonna happen. They're gonna you're gonna have to mail them something or email back and forth and that sort of thing. I remember early on, this was this was before Pro Tools and all of that, Light had to do a record and uh she had to go out to LA. Matter of fact, that happened a couple of times, but she had to go out to LA and and I didn't go w- with her. So I did my part here and then she went out to L.A. to 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 finish it off, you know, in those cases. But at some point, you know, I feel like people need to get together to actually make it really work. I, You know, I don't like to work in that sort of, hey, yeah, you know, Dropbox me the, the blah, 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 <laughs> because, you know, part of producing is. You know the, the the back and forth, the coaching, the the 
coming up with a concept and mashing out a cohesive something another like right. other than that it's like yeah <laughs> we just doing that <laughs> yeah uh engineer producer i interviewed uh rich ahi mm-hmm. uh he works with masters a lot okay. um we were interviewing we were, we were down in um midtown uh, downtown like bob power studio yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and he talked about it. he has this he has a studio set up where he's actually the artist is not behind the glass mm-hmm. the artist is actually like that right there that you know you're this is your console and the mm-hmm. artist could be right there where that phone is yeah and what he found, a lot of artists respond positively to because one, as the producer, you don't, you can't look at your phone because mm-hmm. the artist is there, and you know, you, or you can't be like, eh, whatever, yeah. Right. And the artist felt like, oh, they're actually they're watching, you know, they're they're paying attention to me. I could actually perform versus like what the what the f is going on back there. Why right, right. So it's interesting how like when you hear people just email back and forth, you're like, well, I feel like there could be a stronger collaboration if you were just in the same room together. I mean, (laughs) oh man, it's a weird thing. Like the technology in a lot of ways has made things better, but you know, at the same time, it's, it's made people, it's brought out a lot of uh, lazy habits people have. So, like the emailing back and forth, emailing back and forth should mean that hey, we can really get this right. Right. If if we just if we just carve out three five hours and and go back and forth and and fix everything we need to fix or whatever, this could actually turn out right. It never turns out that way. It it always turns into some nonsense. Like people will throw distractions in their own face and then be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now nah, I wasn't listening. Did you do that again? <laughs> like, like, what, like, what are you doing? We used to sit in a room for 10 hours wow. uh, to communicate with the artist. I would press a button. <laughs> to say, hey, blah, 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 and, you know, give my advice on on how to approach the next thing or, or, or what needs to be done to get it hype. Because sometimes the artist can be a dope artist, but, you know, y- y- mentally they're just not where they need to be. Or sometimes they don't they're not sure of where to go mentally with it right. to, to, to approach the song. Right. So you give them a suggestion, they try it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you try something else. And that's the back and forth that, that needs to take place. Sometimes that gets lost in the email, you right, know, yeah. in a text, it's like, I don't know how to say, you know, F you in a text so you hear what I'm saying when I say F you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I'm in the room or you're over there and I got press the button, you're going to understand. It's going to change your mood to where it needs to be and I'm going to get the energy that I need to hear. So when you were working with Tori Wolf, you went out, you, she came here to New York and then... Yeah. You said you banged out, what, four songs with her? Yeah. So how long of a process would that, I mean, what's the, what is it, like a four-song process? What is What do you think is a good amount of time for four songs between uh, the producer and the uh, artist? Well, we didn't, see, what happened was we tried out a song, and on that song, it was, it was such a banger, that's when we decided to do more songs. So it wasn't, we didn't do those songs like, okay, we're going to, this weekend, we're going to knock out as many songs as possible. What happened was after that song, 
um, we'd set up time to do another song and then and I don't I'm not sure how long after that, a week later, or two weeks later, whenever she came back to town that we work on the next song. But that's kind of how that happened. So when we went to do the next song, it was about a conversation. And then it, it was about a conversation, an idea, sitting down in the same uh, space while she writes to the idea. And whatever need to needed to be tweaked gets tweaked immediately, and boom, we start to lay it down, and that's how it happened, and that's how that's how free happened also, at at a later date. Free features Macklemore. Um, did you was that kind of the plan going into the song that it would have? A, I'm not saying Macklemore was in your mind, but that it would have to, it would have a feature or. Um, no When we did Free At that time When we did Free DJ Premier was the feature Because when we when we finally finished it Preem heard it and he was like Oh man, this, yeah, this is dope And he heard a section where he was like Yo, and I got, I got an idea For a, uh, uh, you know a, 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 a DJ section that I want to put in there I said cool Boom He puts it in there So now At some point uh, They were getting in touch With uh, with Malcolm Moore To lay A verse down on something And they sent him um, A few songs That we were working on At the time Malcolm Moore picked free When he heard it He was like Yo this is dope Boom Yo I want to get on this yeah, yeah, no problem. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna carve out space now. That one, uh, his schedule so hectic that it had to be an email situation. Right, right. But see, that's still different because he knows what's up. He, he, you know, he's part of this process. It's not, it's not that goofy. Oh uh, yeah, this da, da da da. Nah, it was boom. Sent it to him. Da 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 da. da. He. Clear, focus, understand the concept, da 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 da. Emailed it back. It's like, oh, this is beautiful. Boom. <laughs> Let's finish the record. And that was it. I want to go back to concepts. And so, as obviously, when you hear Macklemore's verse, you, you could tell if he has the concept right, right? Because mm-hmm. we both understand words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand DJ scratching. I mean, in terms, you know, like in terms of like it doesn't, you know, I mean, the whole idea like it speaks with, you know, you, DJ speak with their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Premiere gets on a track mm-hmm. and does what he does, how are you ensuring that he is going to get the concept as well for whatever he's going to add to this piece of music? I mean, are you sitting down with him and telling him what's going on? Or do you have that relationship with someone like Premier that you just know? I mean, obviously, oh, you yeah, just know. yeah. See, because the way Prem works, that's that's exactly how he works. Like when 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 Prem does a scratch piece, it's specifically tailored to whatever the concept of the song is. Most times, it's the it's the hook of the song. So he mentally sits down and figures out in his mind. The, the vast knowledge of, of the library of records that he knows and he pieces together some bangers, some some gems. So when he heard the when he initially heard the song, that's what happened in his head. And he's like, 
yeah, I got something for that. Boom. And then he goes and, and, and sprinkles his pixie dust. <laughs> and so, you know, as far as telling him what I'm looking for, whatever he when he heard it, he already knew. So is he like one of the only DJs, producers out there that you would kind of trust to do that? I mean, there's 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 others that there's others that I have respect for. And and see what it is is again when uh speaking earlier when you when you asked me did anybody uh was I self taught or did I have people around me that 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 helped me so once you decide once I decided to have a certain strong focus as to what I wanted to do and I was very adamant about it and professional about it that's when other professionals get delivered to me to mentor me in the direction I'm going. So it's a it's a mutual respect for the process of getting it right, right or right. getting it done. Right, right. So premieres like that, uh, and there's a you know there's a bunch of other professional hip hop R and B. Uh, producers and singers and 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 players that I've had the honor to be in contact with that you know I respect what they do so uh, I used to micromanage but I, I found that the higher you get on a certain echelon of of, of doing this that you don't have to micromanage those guys anymore. Those guys know exactly what needs to be done and they do it. All you have to say is like, yo, this is what I need and it's going to get done. And, you know, so. One more track that I want to talk about, Tori Wolf, is um, uh-huh. Shadows Crawl, which okay. is uh, produced by Premier, mm-hmm. but remixed by you. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I did a remix. Uh, you did a remix for that. Um <laughs> When collaborating, I mean, just more talk about Premiere, but this, when collaborating with someone, a, a producer on any track, mm-hmm. and then you doing the remix for it, how, how are you ensuring that you're not, with the remix, you're not kind of losing the mission of the track uh, yourself? That's a good question. The mission, the, the, the mission of the track. So, when... When I approach a remix, um, like in the early days when we, when we re- uh, approached a remix, it was about deconstructing the song. So, because back then, songs were just, it, they, they were too full. They just had too much going on and they were active. And right. oh, yeah, it's going to be a di- great dance track. And on, on the hip hop side, we hear it and we're like, yeah, that's that's dope, but there's too much going on. We just need the drums. We want some bass, and and you know, that's about it. <laughs> and you know, we might have a stab here, there, some scratches, but we wasn't into all the strings and horns, and it was taking all that stuff out. So, the way we used to approach, and the way I used to approach mixes, I would deconstruct the song of the pieces that were already in the song. And then later on, I would totally flip the song. I would, it would, I would figure out what the key of the song was, but then the I would the music would just totally change. I'd change it into something else. That song 
of of uh, the Shadows Call remix, I actually did sitting at this table right here because Preem was working on a session and and Ian, his manager was here and they were talking about it and somebody had uh, they were talking about a remix of that song and. Somebody submitted a remix and it, and all of this, and I listened to the remix. I was like, "That's, it's like that's trash. It don't even make sense." I'm like, "Why, why would you even consider that?" I was like, and, and I said, "I said, and you're you're making this harder than it really is. Mm. What you need to do." And then, as I said it, I stopped. I said, "Hold on," <laughs> <laughs> and then I did it. And then I played it for him, <laughs> and, and it was like, oh, <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, yo, you DJ Premier, man. You got a, you got a, a wealth of joints, man. Just take it's a remix. Just take her acapella, and let's let's get this popping. So I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so you not only, as I said, you do a lot of things, and a lot a lot of those things now are you're part of a premieres live from a headquarters team on uh, Sirius <laughs> yeah. XM. Matter what a song sounds like, how does it feel to you when you hear it? If it, if it gets into your soul, that means it's dope. It doesn't matter what instrument you use. That's it. That's that's when why I play what I play. What's, what's good? This is Quest Love of the Roots. Oh. Grandmaster Cass. What's your boy, Big Snoop D O Double G? Yeah. Oh, this your man, Method Man, right here. This is Eminem. You're listening to DJ Premier live from headquarters. When Premier asked you to be in radio, uh, what were your initial thoughts? And then, kind of, what's the difference, or is there a difference between collaborating with Premier in a radio setting, a radio studio, versus? A studio like we're in now, a mm-hmm. uh, record studio. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just, you know, you listen to radio and you listen to the characters on radio in any any type of show. And so when he when he asked, uh, yo, I'm going to go do this thing, uh, you know, you should come through. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. Now, initially, I used to come through. As the king of chill, and you know that was cool, and but I I still felt like I needed to develop myself as an interesting sort of character to to speak every week. You know, I think I think I'm interesting. I don't know if other people think I'm interesting every week. So what what happened was uh, we went into some. Hiatus around Christmas or whatever And so coming out of Christmas I had come up with this whole concept Of a creepy clown So And so (laughs) When I came to him with the idea I said yo I'm going to continue to do a series with you But I'm only Going back on this creepy clown (laughs) He looked at me like I was crazy You know And uh, he asked me Did I smoke weed I said, nah. I was like, oh, so you're just fucking crazy. <laughs> like, nah, man, creepy. And, you know, I had to explain the concept to him and, you know, went on. It was a hit and I've I, I just been creepy clown rock, rocking out ever since. 
the answers one of the questions about creepy clown. Uh, wait, why creepy? Why? Well, I guess why? Why? Why that type? Why creepy clown? <laughs> okay, so one day my uh, nephew-in-law is going through one of his young, uh, you know, indecisive what, what to do with life sort of crisis, and I'm giving him the speech about. Yo, you need to focus on something. Pick something, any widget, and focus on it and turn it into something. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. Take, for instance, a creepy clown. Now, I just made that up. <laughs> and so when, when I said it, as I'm saying it, I'm you know. Once I said creepy clown, then I hit him with the you come up with a you come up with the widget, and then you give the widget a look. You give the widget an identity. You you come up with a marketing plan around the widget, and then one day the widget exists, hmm. and that was the whole thing. So after I give him the whole speech, three hours later, I'm still thinking of creepy clown. I'm like, yo, creepy clown. Yeah, it could be a face and it da da da. Wait a second, creepy clown. If I spell creepy with a K, it's the same initials as KC. I'm like, and, and my mind just kept <laughs> going, and, <laughs> and I just created it. <laughs> oh man, how does your um, how 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 do you use radio to, or maybe you don't, but how do you use radio to kind of serve your Maybe your goal uh, as someone who uh, loves rap music and loves hip hop culture, uh, how do you use it to kind of advance that or share with the audience this love for it? um, Basically, uh, you know, Preem's format is playing new music, new quote unquote underground music. And underground music today is the uh, is are, are the artists that are out that we don't necessarily hear because mainstream radio, uh, you know, they'll give you a certain amount of new artists, but it's not these artists, even though these, these artists are constantly coming out with something new, but they just don't have a large format to play it in. So that's what Prem does. And, and I, you know, I try to help them in any way I can. Like when I come across new music and I think it's dope, you know, I'll send it to them. And I'm like, yo, I think these guys are dope. And, you know, we, we just try to keep that sort of thing going. And, and every now and then when we're talking on the radio and we might be talking about a subject about, you know, old school or whatever, you know, I, I sometimes got to jump in there and cor- correct the timeline or the <laughs> the information. It's like it's like ah, no, nah, actually, it was like this. Or it, was, it was like that, and you know. So, that's my last question for you. Yeah. Uh, I know we've been talking for a while. Um, looking at your discography, um, it doesn't have to necessarily be a producing credit. It could just be like you were just sitting in, you know, sitting in the studio that day. Right. Uh, but is there like a, a moment, uh, in your discography that you were like, you're still like, Oh shit, I can't believe I was a part of that. Or, (laughs) Oh shit. I can't believe I made that beat. Uh, um, yeah. Is that, is there that moment for you? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of those moments. There's a lot of those moments. Uh, I'll tell you a funny moment. I can't believe 
Remember this uh, woman named Desiree? She was a singer. I want to be high. I want to be oh, God. high. Yes. I want to be stronger. <laughs> I, I went to one of her sessions at Sony, handcuffed to a woman. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh. I went to her session, man, handcuffed to a woman. Uh, so, <laughs> so the at the time the producers that she was working with, uh, I was also working with as well, and so I was just hanging out. So they're in the session. They're like, "Yeah, come on through," you know, whenever. So when I get there, you know, it was a Friday, Saturday night, you know, hanging out with with old girl. We're handcuffed. Uh, she had real handcuffs, and we were walking down the street handcuffed. It's like, wow, this is kind of exciting. It's mad illegal, uh, <laughs> you know. So we walk, we walk into the session handcuffed, and Desiree's real proper, and you know, very da da da. And I think her husband was there, and you know, it was it was weird. It was it was almost like being handcuffed in front of the pastor. Like she just looked at his weird. It's like, yeah, hey, yeah, you know. Had a cup of coffee, some drinks, and was out. But uh, fun stuff like that, you know, <laughs> to, to to get away with stuff like that is, is kind of. <laughs> He's a composer, producer, engineer, MC, radio host. He's the king of chill. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me in the library, Tim Ronico. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Since 13, everybody knows the king was the first to bring a devastating rap to the massive crowd. The heckling fools or hissing aloud. Cause when the king is on the mic, it's a sure enough treat. And I can tell that you approve by the top of your feet, or by the bopping of your head, moving up your torso. Yo, I'm the king of chilling, you just lost to know. There's no doubt in the mind, I'm the one to provide a kicking live party while the others have died. Cause rhymes like this allow me to exist at the top of the list of things you can't resist. So, uh, you know the story and you've heard. The facts are plain as day and clear as color code jack. I'm the king of chill, top notch on the rack. And if you don't agree to that, get off that crack. Some case swift, huh? Without further delay, come on in, get on the mic and hope. Your hands cold clapping while my voice is cold rapping. Everybody's jamming, only suckers cold snapping. Do it to simplicity, only done in ecstasy. Fellas want the fresh, while the girlies want the best of me. I don't mean to say that I'm the best or the greatest. Only when we screw up, they come and try to raid us. Alliance in a pack, in the group. Or solo. I sport a session while they sport polo. Girls, I wanna clock them. I try to knock them. The boyfriends try to riff, but my 45 stops them. Hey, yo, scale, I'm about to jet. Get on the mic, ready to set. The beat is tough, so get your ears tuned in. Cause you will never hear a DJ rhyme like this again. It's a rhyme seldom heard. I rarely won this one. Only say it to the DJs who will call my son. Like a son, you got to learn to abide and obey. Cause I'm giving all the orders, nothing for you to say. Hand me your 12, take your mix and shred it piece by Cause your DJ days are over, your career will see I'm super nice, top notch, and there ain't no question And when I burn DJs, I make them lose their complexion I leave you in an awesome state of total rejection I never make mistakes in what they call perfection Outstanding, outspoken, always incredible Attempt to get live and it will be regrettable Explain the game and its players. The DJ cutting up and the dope rhyme sayers. One, 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 one
Born and remaining of a dying breed Yo, I'm living proof of Darwin's theory Survival of the fittest overcomes the weary Two case slips from the case from the get-go Ladies get excited when my voice is on tempo A master, a genius, a wish fulfiller The K may be cool, but it stands for killer Three, three, just so you know we spoke before But the girlies wanna hear the brother speak some more And he will Yo, DJ Skill, do you have finesse? In scratching terms, that means yes Just a wink of an eye So they take Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.